you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you all well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, he alone is worthy. He alone is the reason that we get up early and do this broadcast. He's the reason that we put it out there. He's the reason that the radio stations and the podcast services cover it. He's the reason for everything in our lives, and we just want to glorify him. With me from Milwaukee again is my friend Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, my friend. So these riddles, all right, folks, I got to be up front with you. These riddles have really fallen down in the difficulty scale. You know, they've went from, they're supposed to be fourth grade and they were really popping in around master's degree in theology. But now, now I think they're kindergarten. But anyway, here it is here. I killed a bear and a lion with my bare hands. I killed a man with a sling and a small stone. Who am I? Only a boy named David. All that. That was David. Yeah, that's our friend David. And uh, folks, I I promise you this. We're going to go ahead and go to like a high school level or something coming up. (laughs) I I promise you that. We'll make it a little bit too easy on Kevin. We find ourselves in the book of John. And uh, uh, before we do that, we want to talk about false guilt. And it was weird yesterday. The reason I bring up John chapter 9 where we were yesterday is we're still dealing with the miracle today. But we were talking about being suicidal. And we just came out Monday talking about this blind man and everything he went through and and all these things you know all these know-it-alls all these great theologians all these pharisees all these people around are saying hey lord hey rabbi who who's guilty here is his parents did they sin uh, is he a sinner whose fault is it and and god messes up everything and he says it's not their fault it's so that I can be made, God can be made manifest through them by this terrible thing we're going through. And friends, can I tell you something today? God can be made manifest by the terrible, icky, ugly things you've been through in your life. So accept that and use that and thrive on that. Allow God to use that in your life, and he will. God will make a difference in your life in that area. So I came up with this false guilt, and the reason why was because of yesterday. Because these guys are coming along saying, who's at fault? And friends, can I tell you what happens in this world uh, when bad things happen to us? There's knuckleheads around who say, who's at fault? You know, this wouldn't have happened to you. Well, you remember the, well, you remember the first three cats that went out there and talked uh, to Job? Uh, you know, they blamed, they, they threw everything on his account. They were some <laughs> wicked folks. And, uh, and, you know, we all have friends like that, but most important thing is we go to God. And so false guilt is a, is a big thing. I think that permeates culture today. I remember over here in Psalm 32, five, whenever I think of false guilt, whenever someone tells me, well, I'm guilty, I want to let you know something. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior, the Bible tells us that your sins are hidden as far as the East is from the West. You will never stand judgment for those sins. God took them away from you. You can rest assured they're covered. So the only reason you're suffering from guilt, it's false. It's from the devil. God's saying, hey, got you covered. Look what it says over here in Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine in equity have I not hid, I said. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the inequity, inequity of my sin. He forgives my sin. 
Folks, can I tell you something? You know it's false if it's something that God has already forgiven. So here's what you need to do. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and there's something in your life that you need to get rid of, get rid of it. Do what the psalmist just said. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Give it to God. And you know what? He forgives it. And then that guilt is false. The devil wants you to think you're no good. He wants you to have shame. Listen, friends, you've given it to God. It's not there anymore. What do you think, yep. Kevin? No, that's so good. Yes. Um, blessed are he is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. He takes it away as far as east is from the west. But false guilt is a very real thing. And until the young Christian in particular recognizes that they're going to get that sometimes, and the source of it, they're not going to have real victory Many in many cases. Um, you know, false guilt is being projected by someone who really is guilty. Now, if you have a narcissist in your life, it yeah. could be someone you're married to, it could be a parent, it could be a boss, but you know the feeling then of someone who is projecting their problems, their faults, their dissatisfaction and it could be that they're not a narcissist they're just you know tightly strung that you know they got a lot of responsibility and you know heads are going to roll type of thing and and they need to be it needs to be pointed out to them that you know they have a part in it too they have a fault but a narcissist will actually use other people to hide their faults and will continually fall to that and defend it uh, eagerly so, uh, but ultimately Satan in the book of Job, it's, it's revealed that Satan is the narcissist of all time. And he projected his guilt onto, uh, uh, Job. And so his resentment, the fact, the fact that Job loved God, despite being a sinner, because it was God's grace that initiated his love, initiated Job's love back and Satan will not put up with that arrangement. And so he attacked Job mercilessly with false guilt through his friends. And um, brother, I think it was uh, Hannah Whitehall Smith that said that, um, this is not a quote, but that Satan will give you a thought, just like someone puts something in your hands and then says, aha, look what you are holding. Wait a minute, where did this even come from? Well, you have a thought and that thought is wrong. It's, it's evil. It's not, it's not belonging there. Once that thought is, is in your mind, Satan will come soon enough and say, aha, look at you. You don't deserve God's love. You're not righteous. You're, I've been telling you, you're not righteous. And here is proof. And we have to recognize and discern that that is not God's way of doing things. Besides, we, we're all sinners. And so we, you know, we provide a perfect landing zone for Satan's, you know, uh, airplanes, his bombers, you know, are, there's nice spots for them to land. And so we, we just recognize, Lord, I'm a sinner. Uh, there's truth to what is being told me, but you are my advocate. I accept your advocacy. Yes, I feel false guilt. Yes, I feel this imposter syndrome where I'm trying to live for God. And part of me says, this is not, you know, part of me doesn't want to do this. Well, guess what? We are still in Christ, like you said, Doug, in Christ. We are all together righteous because he is altogether lovely. 
Yeah, that is great. And uh, just remember, one of my favorite verses is in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The devil wants you to think there's no cleansing available for you. You just tell that nasty old devil there's plenty of cleansing in the name of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's a bunch of false guilt. Don't buy into it. Uh, just trust in God, and boy, he'll He'll do a work in your life. And and uh, friends, I'm just so excited to know that our God can forgive us our sins. We find ourselves today over in uh, chapter 9, starting in verse number 8 through 16, and it says, The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is it not he that sat and begged? Boy, isn't that the way neighbors are? Man, they just want to remind you. <laughs> Folks just want to remind you. Isn't he the screwed up guy over here? Isn't he the messed up one? Isn't these the things that happen in their life? I mean, uh, folks, let's face it. We got people like that. Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool at Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then, then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. So immediately, we got to take him to the religious leaders. You know, they want to get to the bottom of this. And, uh, uh, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened up his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed him and I washed and do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Folks, here we are. You know, people are out there saying, man, this guy got better. How's this possible? This can't be the same guy. But he looks at it, and the guy says, it's me. I'm the dude who was blind. He healed me. And, uh, well, who is he? He's Jesus, and his name is Jesus. He sent me down to the pool. And, you know, there should be a celebration going on right now, folks. There should be shouting and pouting. There should be running around town, hey, the blind man can see. There should be looking for a job. There should be, for the first time in your life, being part of great things. But the religious people showed up. And I want to tell you something, folks. I know we're going to a break in a second, but I, I want this to stick with you. When the religious people show up, bad things happen. When the religious people show up and want to tout their religion, their strengths, our weaknesses, and all that, they're not of God. Look for them. Kevin called them narcissists a minute ago. Hey, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Boy, those folks get out there and they're like, man, you know, I'm just telling you that that wasn't the right guy. No, I am the guy. Uh, he healed me. He just put some spit there. Kevin, again, people are trying to take away godliness from God. You can't do that. You can't separate them. No, 
No, this scripture reminded me, and you you mentioned something about the neighbors saying, yeah, basically, um, you know, is this not he that's, that sat and begged? begged? There's a scripture in the Old Testament, one of the psalmists, probably David, said, my uh, familiars, neighbors and familiars, something like that, watch for my halting, saying, you know, basically, aha, like we were talking about with this false guilt. They, the, the people closest to you, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country because those people know you were blind. You were stumbling around. You were very limited, and they're not going to uh, be the first to believe that you're walking around and seeing. And the narcissist, that's the religious crowd that showed up here, like you were saying, the narcissist that showed up. This is the crowd that'll stick their foot out and try to trip you and say, "Aha! I knew you couldn't see." <laughs> and, uh, and 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 let me just tell you, the narcissist in your life will do that. They'll 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 watch for your halting. These are not people that are for you. These that are people that want to control you because they want to sit as God. They're little. They they are a a, a franchise of Satan's kingdom on earth. That's what a narcissist is. Again, it's not someone that's just selfish. Or someone that's just loud-mouthed or type A, it's someone who's actually um, trying to use you as an instrument of their own uh, kingdom and praise and glory. And they could be sometimes in a church. They could be sometimes in a corporate situation or home. But, man, th- these neighbors, they, they were the ones that, uh, you know, they weren't narcs, but they were watching and uh, saying, you know, how were your eyes open? They came to them. And then he answered them and said, well, this man made clay uh, with spittle. And Doug, that reminds me, you know, why did Jesus make clay of spit? Why did he spit on the ground and do this? There's another time where he spat in someone's eyes. There's another time I think he did something with clay. But, you know, it reminds me, way back in the beginning, God made man out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into it, uh, into the nostrils, after forming the dust into a person, he breathed into the nostrils. And the breath of God is a spirit of God. And the spirit of God is, is in John 7, typified by water. And so Jesus spits, you know, with what we would say is the the, the least desirable kind of water you can get, you know, at hand, he spits because he is perfect and righteous and powerful down into the same old dust this guy was formed from and brings from this dust some clay and it's just, you know, yuck. What we would say is dirt. Well, really, he's identifying him as being uh, the one who even his spit is 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 clean, you know, spiritually and as, as a t- as a type. And then we are dust, and that put on the eyes of the man was what he needed. So I get this: the the best way to get some healing in my life is to number one, identify who I am. I'm dust. Number two, remember that God loves dust. <laughs> he made us from the dust, and because of his attention to dust and his skill with working with clay as a potter, the best thing we can do is identify uh, our clay, our dust, our lives with him and say, Lord, make me, remake me. I'm busted. I, I don't see right. I don't feel right anymore. I can't feel. I don't feel you. But Lord, take me. Just, just spit down. It'd be fine. Spit into this dust. I, I just... 
I don't deserve any better, but you know what? You are wonderful and you want to make me a, into a wonderful uh, vessel. Yeah. And that's such a great point. And you know what, what I was thinking while I was listening to you talk to Kevin, I was coming down to God's timing and purpose. You know, nobody knows how old this man was or how long he had been blind, but we're being told he was begging. He was out there. Obviously at some point, you know, people died young. We can, we can surmise a lot of things. His parents could no longer be with him. You know, people are sick of it. So you bring him down by the pool and people go down by the pool to, to get a miracle. They still look for that particular pool today. And many others, you know, where they've seen mother Mary or something like that, they don't realize it's, it's not the water. It's the provider of the water. And, uh, mm. and, and folks, so I'm thinking about God's timing and purpose when I think about this. And so many of us are at wit's end. We're going through stuff in life and we say, man, this stinks. I, I wish it would end already. I, I wish I wasn't going through that. And then as time goes by, and I remember when my PTSD showed up in, in 93, 94, and I held on to that for years. And, uh, and, and, you know, if, if I'm not careful, I can go back and say, well, God, why did, why did I deal with this for several years before you healed it? Because God was building something that could be made manifest through me. Uh, God was building something that I could stand up and say, look what God has done for me. And friends, can I tell you, don't get wrapped around God's timing. Don't, don't even get wrapped around God's purpose. Let him handle that within you. I know some people like, why did I go through this? What is the purpose? You know, and uh, Debbie and I were out in Utah a while back and we were talking to this lady and uh, one of the questions, and she wasn't at the church we were at, but in another place, but one of the things she brought up was purpose on going through things and stuff. And this is what I know. Uh, God is infinite and I'm not. I'm this finite little dot in this whole wide world that doesn't even make a dot. And God is everything. So me as a human being, you folks where you are as these finite human beings, don't get hung up in the time and our purpose. Just know that God showed up and he healed the guy. The guy's not blind anymore. And he does give us a purpose in this particular guy's place. We don't get it a lot, but, and, and he said, so this can be made manifest. So maybe the purpose and a lot of things we're going through can be made manifest, but so many of us want an exact moment, quote, time, get over that. You know what, mm -hmm. folks, we're here to bring uh, honor and glory to God. We're here to make God shine. We're here. We serve a big God. We're just these small people, Kevin. And, and if we can take the timing out, even if we can take the purpose and just, just do the blanket statement so God can be made manifest through you and don't get caught up who it's going to, where you're going to be, where you're going to be standing, but trust God, you'll be a better person for it. Yeah. You know, when I, when I deal with um, a product or a company that I really trust that, you know, you just, just, you do. Yeah. I remember one time I was hired by a company, um, I was put on a forklift. I, I, I just, I'd been involved in the construction of a warehouse and now I was hired into the company as a forklift driver, a high reach driver, one of these vertical forklift drivers. And, um, I, I just remember I was so excited. I really loved the company that I really believed in the plant manager. I really believed in my immediate supervisors, just a good group. And, uh, and I feel that way about wounded spirits. And, and, and so when you, you know, you ought to look for that church, by the way, that you just, not that it's not about feeling, it's about trust. You know, I trust they're going to give me the word of God. But the point that I'm making is when I was hired by that company, I did not have to 
ask all these questions in my mind or to them like, oh, what about this forklift? Is it safe? And, and why are we using this forklift? And what, what about the time of the break? You know, why is, why is there not longer time for break? Um, I just, I mean, the questions were taken care of because of trust. And that's the way I want to be with God. You know, eventually someone came into that company and wanted to start a, a labor union, but it didn't go anywhere because all the employees were like, we love our company. <laughs> they, the, we're, we're glad for the pay. You know, we're every company's got troubles and we don't want someone, you know, some union to come in and want to uh, run us and, and do all that kind of thing. So I just uh, like, Doug, what you're saying so well, we can just trust God. And that's where we need to be found. That's good, Kevin. That's where we need to be found. I like the God. Kevin said, I like my company. I trust him. I felt good. I love my God. I trust yeah. him. I feel good. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, the image of God can be skewed in our minds and our thoughts by these wicked people, and we just need to get away from them. And that's really what it comes down to. We sure do love you, folks. We thank you for the opportunity to come. Remember, tomorrow uh, we're going to be dealing with the subject of confusion for those people who suffer from PTSD or people who just suffer from confusion. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. May God bless you. And, hey, wear that smile that only God can give you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.